Blog Talk Radio. Episode 22 of the Loaded Gloves Boxing Podcast. I am your host, Scott Jarvis, and with me, as always, are both my co-hosts, Victor Atkinson and Michael Shepard. How are you gentlemen doing today? What's good, homie? I'm all right, man. Good, good. How are you, Michael? I'm good. Glad to be back. Good, good, good. Good to have you guys back. Good to be back on the air after being sick last week. Um, if you want to call in, we'll be taking calls probably in the second hour. Uh, you can do so using the number... Six five seven three eight three zero three nine one. And with that, uh, let's jump into uh, last night's action uh, at the StubHub Center in Carson, California. Guys, we had uh, Gennady Golovkin fighting short-term replacement Vonis Martirosian uh, in a 12-rounder, which was for Golovkin's WBA WBC uh, middleweight titles. Um, guys, what uh, did you make of the fight itself and Golovkin's performance in general? Like the fight itself, like it being made, or like in the ring to fight itself. No, just just the fight itself. Uh, and before you answer that, Victor, uh, I just wanted to let our listeners know Golovkin did dispatch uh, Martirosian in the second round via a brutal knockout. Uh, but with that said, take it away, my man. Yeah, I mean Golovkin did what he was supposed to do. He actually did it a whole lot faster than I thought. Vanas is not someone that's actually easy to get rid of. And it showed mm-hmm. me that you can't exchange with Golovkin even now. There were some doubts about that because in his last, honestly, you could say like the last three fights. Yeah, <laughs> I was gonna say yeah. two, but like you could argue three. That exchange with Golovkin, like his power didn't seem to be as much as we saw it before. I mean, like yeah, he built Kyle Book's face, but you always got the feeling that he doesn't seem to be the exact same type of monster. And I think this kind of confirmed that. He is exactly what he used to be in terms of, like, the power, you know, and the precision sure. as well, which is a big part of that. Uh, I thought the fight was it was okay to be, to say it was you only had four weeks' notice. Uh, yeah. Vanez start, started well in the first round. He actually managed to bu- uh, to back up Golovkin with a nice little uh, right-left combination. That was surprising. Then, uh, yeah, it was kind of surprising. But then, obviously, Triple G just kind of, um, I, I think, figured him out. And then just finished him off with, with a nine punch flurry, which had him against the ropes. Yeah. And then, sorry, but like, did anything even miss from that combination? I feel like it didn't. I don't know. It was nice. I, it was a nice. It's a nice finish. Yeah, it was. It was a very clean finish. I think there was maybe one or two punches, Victor, that kind of were glancing blows in that final flurry. But I think all of them connected. <laughs> All right, well, uh, yeah, I mean, I mean Martin Rosen was, I mean, he, the guy was coming off a two-year layoff, guys. Uh, he's also a career junior middleweight, uh, and he really didn't have a full camp. Like Michael said, he had just four weeks to prepare for Gennady. So uh, what, if anything, uh, do you guys take away from Golovkin's performance? Um, is he, do you still believe he's, like, in decline, you know, just because of age? 
Um, I know, Victor, you kind of were just touching on that. I thought that Golovkin did what he was supposed to do last night. Um, he did a, l- a little bit faster than I thought he would. Marta Rosen's not a pushover. Um, you know, he's, he's no cab driver or anything, but uh, uh, I expected it to last anywhere from three to four rounds. It, it, you know, he went out in the second and took care of business. Um, but as far as, uh, you know, Golovkin's performance or where he's at, like physically and psychologically within the sport, um, was there anything to take away from this performance last night? Um, or, or do we need to see him in there with a Canelo again or against somebody, you know, on, on that level? To say, yeah, you know, he's really sliding, or no, hey, you know, the old Golovkin is back. I well, think, uh, oh, my bad. <laughs> go for, go for it, Michael. Uh, I think Golovkin looked better, but it's kind of hard to tell with only seeing him for obviously, you know, five minutes because he got him out there so early. Uh, sure. His selection of punches looked good. Uh, um. And then, obviously, we're going to see him back against Kalano on September the 15th. Mm-hmm. Um, I'd like to see him out before that, if we can. Obviously, he's not getting any younger. Um, yeah. There is to us talk and rumors of him coming out again in sort of like July time. But I think that's people more wanting it than it's actually going to happen. <laughs> yeah. Victor? <clears throat> yeah, I had to come throw a little bit. Oh, so, no worries. I don't really care that much about a Canelo rematch, but as far as how the Golovkin looked, I think his conditioning actually looked better in this fight than it did in the last two matches, but it's kind of hard to tell mm-hmm. again, like Mike was saying, because we only got to see, like, a, what, like a grand total of five minutes in that fight, so that's not something right. that shows up that early, but as far as his body and the weight he showed up as, you know, when they did the IBF weight check-ins and shit, it seemed like he was in better shape than in the Jacobs fight and also the Canelo fight. Yeah, I, I tend to agree with both of you guys. Um, I like this punch, punch selection, Michael. Uh, and, Victor, what you were saying with the uh, – he seemed, he seemed to be in better shape. Um, and he definitely had that, you know, that killer instinct back. Not that it ever really totally went away. But um, I, felt, I felt on the last – you know, prior to the Martin Rosen fight last night, I, I mean, it's obvious Golovkin's not what he was a couple of years ago. But, uh, and nobody's going to be. But uh, – I just thought he was, he kind of, I guess for lack of a better term or phrase, I felt like in the last three or four fights prior to last night, he kind of took his foot off the gas and, you know, in terms of aggression, um, you know, and utilizing his power and, and things like that. I, I, I don't know that how much of it is due to age or, you know, father time and how much of it is, you know, the quality of opposition that's in front of him. Um, but I, I, yeah, I agree. We only got five minutes of Golovkin last night and, it was against a short, you know, a short-term replacement opponent in Marta Rosian. So um, we've got to see him in there. I think it's, you know, it, it's not right to say, yeah, that, you know, Golovkin is back. The monster, the killer is back. You know, it's, it's, it was Bonus Marta Rosian, guys. So, um, you know, when he gets in there and does the same thing or, or you know, approaches that level against a Canelo or against a Jacobs or, or Shalo or, you know, any of the other big names, the guys that are coming up or uh, – Derevianchenko, I can never say it. You know, then then we can then we can talk about that again. Um, but yeah, I, I I wasn't particularly fond of the fight last night. Um, I like the conclusion. Obviously, I'm a Golovkin fan and a, a guy who wants to see knockouts and and, and violence. So um, you know, we can take that away from the fight last night. But I wasn't overly impressed with the fight itself. 
Um, now, moving on, guys, uh, the opening bout on HBO last night, uh, and I'm going to butcher this woman's last name as well, uh, was pound for pound uh, number one woman's boxer Cecilia Brockus uh, versus Kali Reese, a race. Uh, and that was a 10-rounder for Brockus's WBA, WBC, WBO, and IBF women's welterweight title. Uh, and in that fight, guys, uh, Brockus defeated Reese uh, via a very boring, tedious, and I thought uneventful unanimous decision. Um, what was your takeaway from the fight, Michael? Um, I kind of, like, like you just said, I think you kind of just touched on it, really. It was kind of uneventful. Uh, Reese managed to uh, catch him in the seventh and again in the eighth. She actually knocked it down in the seventh. I think it's the first time Bracus had been down. Um, yeah, that was a... Bracus was definitely, she seemed, she seemed livelier. She picked up combinations well, but they both kind of lacked like any real power. Uh, sure. I was kind of hoping it would be more of a fight because the women in the UFC, the fights are actually quite good. But this kind of, right. after a few rounds, you could kind of tell they couldn't really hurt each other. And it looked like it was just going to go the full 10. And the two minute rounds just go by so quickly. By the time they've actually felt each other out in the round and the action kind of started before you know it, the round's finished. Right. Man, I felt like the uh, entrance was more entertaining than the fight itself. <laughs> and Cecilia, her defense got kind of bad in the later half of the fight. It was kind of weird because at first she was doing a pretty good job on just like staying outside the range or smothering. And then it's like she got complacent or forgot that she was a threat or something like that. And that's all she got dropped. And then like not hurt, but was getting clipped by she in the, like you said, the seventh and eighth rounds because she was being dumb in there. She wasn't really paying that much attention to it. It was strange to watch because um, Callie was doing the same shit, but it was more expected from her, you know, because she's not Cecilia. I was not expecting that from her at all. That was that was awkward. I'm wondering if this age or she's just... I don't know. I don't pay much attention to women's boxing, so I don't know exactly what she's supposed to be like, but from what I've heard, that is that's not what I thought I was going to see. Yeah, I, I'm I'm with both you guys on this one as well. Uh, I I wasn't too familiar with either fighter heading into the the, the bout last night, um, but the fight that I saw last night wasn't a, a display of like elite level or high level boxing skill. It was just kind of two good fighters, you know, not doing anything terribly exciting. And like you said, Michael, there was, isn't a lot of power there. So uh, neither woman was, you know, is, is very aggressive or anything like that. Um, I don't know, guys. Uh, it, you know, we talked about this uh, the week before last. Um, they want to, you know, they're trying to, to showcase the women in the sport. Um, and I don't think any of us have a problem with that. But um, if this is the best woman's boxing has to offer, like, I've got to take a pass, guys. Like, if Cecilia Brackhouse is the epitome of women's boxing or, or, or talent or, you know, entertainment in, in the women's divisions, like I'm not interested. Um, but uh, Victor, I know you said that uh, you believe the reason this fight was put on the, the Golovkin Moderosian card was just simply because HBO didn't have money for a more meaningful or better fight. Um, do you still feel that way or, or, or where are you guys at with all of this? Yeah, man. HBO doesn't seem to be like super committed to boxing right now. I mean, Modern yeah. Rosen got paid like $200,000. Golovkin got paid a million. The, there's pretty much no undercard, really. No promotion, really, for this one. Well, not good promotion. Sure. I mean, that's a circumstance yeah. fight. But I think part right. of it also is HBO. I just don't think they give that much of a fuck about it right now, man. Or maybe they're saving money for something, but 
I'm just not feeling a whole lot of commitment here right now. I think ESPN is the one that is actually trying to push things right now, and also Showtime, but mainly ESPN yeah. is just what they're doing, but not HBO, certainly not HBO. Yeah. yeah. How about you, Michael? Um, I'd like – I'm thinking – I'm hoping that women's boxing takes off a bit. Um, HBO probably obviously had to change it from being pay-per-view to normal, which is what the reason that Spike O'Sullivan dropped out because the money dropped down so much. So that could have been the right. reason that uh, that was the, the co-main. And, um, but with Cyborg, she was there in the, uh, in the audience saying that she's, uh, she did an interview saying that she's going to finish her two-fight contract with the UFC then hopes to fight uh, Cecilia Bracus next summer. She said that she's already competed in wrestling, jiu-jitsu, and Muay Thai. So she wants to come over to boxing next summer and uh, fight the best in the world to challenge herself. So that should be interesting. Mm. Yeah, I, you know, I, you know, like like I stated previously on another show uh, with with you guys, I'm all for. I don't care who they who they put in the ring. I just want to be entertained, and I and I want uh, you know secondary and tertiary reasons uh, being that you know I want to see some I want to see aggressive fighting. I, you know I want knockouts. I want drama and and you know you know some storylines to follow. Um, I think what really hurts women's boxing isn't so much the kind of performance that both women turned in last night. Um, it's the fact that you don't see the women that often. And I think, uh, Victor, you and I talked about it last night, watching the fights together on Rabbit. Uh, the talent pool just really isn't there. It's, it's you know, there there are isn't a, you can't really reach your hand in and grab out a bunch of, of women and say, okay, this person's got to fight this person, this person's got to fight her she's got to fight her and we've got to have a tournament because this is, you know, it's, it's not like we're looking at 175 in, in men's boxing or, or even at welterweight or at 160 where there's this, you know, this, this huge, you know, fantasy round Robin that we can concoct or construct. Um, but, you know, I, I, if it's entertaining, entertaining, I'll watch it. Uh, I don't, what, what I saw last night, I'm not interested if, that, if that's the best we're going to get. Um, but that said, uh, we'll move on. Uh, there was another fight that happened yesterday, uh, and that was over in England, uh, which was the Tony Bellew-David Hay rematch. Uh, and that was a 12-round heavyweight fight. Uh, now, in that fight, David Hay uh, was actually stopped in round five after being dropped, I think it was three times, by Tony Bellew. Uh, now, uh, Victor, in this fight, uh, we watched this one together as well, and uh, you kept saying you kept you you saw it right away that hey was pretty much shot and that was in for a long night and everything you said that was going to happen every time you told me you told me watch dude watch watch this is going to happen it happened again like it always does so because um, I'm a god that's why yeah. <laughs> well I mean I see a lot of the things that you see just because I've been watching boxing for such a long time but I mean you have that that real life experience in the ring. So, uh, you know, you recognize a lot, some of the things that I don't or many things that I don't. Um, but I wanted to know what you guys took away from the match, uh, whether you really cared about it, you know, or, or whether you care about either guy moving forward. Well, I just want to say that uh, Tony Bella won me money that night, so very happy about <laughs> that. I don't understand why so many people were picking David Hay for that one. Just the the story of the fight, the... Uh, the condition of hey, nothing told me that he was going to win this. Yeah. Uh, probably going to get knocked out. So, uh, like, unless he was able to finish him in within the first three rounds, he was definitely going to get stopped there. And mm-hmm. 
he the way he was fighting, he wasn't going to finish him in three rounds. He couldn't even do that because he was throwing mostly arm punches. He couldn't like sit down on his punches anyway, just because of his legs. So it was like, all right, this is only going to go one way now. Right. Yeah, I I found it odd that that David Hay was uh, the bookmaker's uh, odds-on favorite. I I kind of thought that was strange. Um, Very strange. Yeah, given given how he's looked in recent you know recent fights and his inactivity and his injuries and all of that shit, I just thought you know it's tough to pick against Hay because he has that explosive power. But you know the, once the guy's legs went and and his timing and his accuracy went, you know I mean there's not much left there. So uh, what'd you take away from from uh, the fight, Michael? I think David Hay needs to retire. That was the main yeah. thing. I think. Um, yeah. It was kind of humiliating for him. Um, dropped three times, <laughs> fifth round stoppage. Um, I mean, he was a great cruiserweight, obviously undisputed champion. Uh, since sure. moving up to heavyweight, he's just tried to like pick this, pick the easy people like fought Valuev, who was just a giant, and then obviously fought Ruiz and Bellew twice. Um, mm. I think Monty Barrett. Injured... <laughs> yeah, that's it. So he just tried to. <laughs> Tried to pick his way through some of the uh, the lesser heavyweights. Um, But I think he should definitely retire. I think the injuries have just caught up to him. The time off, everything. Uh, He looked looked terrible. He had no timing. He looked like his ankle. He had all of his weight on on his front foot the whole time. He just had a weird Mm -hmm. stance. He was just dragging his foot behind him. Um, I just think he needs to call it a day, really. Yeah, I'm I'm with you, man. I I never thought David Hay was like a great or, you know, uh, any kind of elite style fighter, but as a cruiserweight, I agree with you, Michael. Uh, you know, he was, uh, I think he was undisputed champion or maybe he was missing one belt, but he was at least unified. Uh, and, you know, he, he was explosive and he was dangerous and he was exciting. Uh, once he moved up to heavyweight uh, after the, the Monty Barrett fight, he kind of just, he did a lot more talking and a lot more bullshitting than he did fighting, you know, and when he got in the ring to fight, it, it, there was always some kind of excuse. So, uh, you know, but now it's even worse for the guy. So I agree with you. It's it's time for him to go. Um, now I got to ask you guys, uh, and Michael, you can answer answer first on this one. Um, what did you guys make? And did you? Well, first of all, let me ask: Did you guys hear, like, the media both on the broadcast and on online, uh, kind of elevating Bellew to uh, an elite level in the heavyweight division? Uh, and what did you make of that? I think it's because he's media friendly. I did hear it. Uh, mm-hmm. He's really good to the media. He seems to give them a lot of time. So I think they kind of tried to build him up. He's too small to be a uh, a good heavyweight. Um, yeah. Him against Anthony Joshua, I think Eddie Hearn's already told him that he would never put him in with Anthony Joshua because he's, <laughs> he's too small. The size difference right. is, is, is huge. Um, I can see he seems to be trying to chase Andre Ward, probably. There's a little oh. cash out. Obviously, he might earn a bit of money. Those two fight. Obviously, he's a uh, fighting, I imagine, cruiserweight. Um, mm-hmm. Or the winner of the World Boxing Super Series. So, is it Gassiev or uh, Usyk? Uh, it's probably more yeah. likely. Man, it's not even just the media. It's the fans, too. I've seen people just on forums and shit. Like, David Hay is probably, like, top 30 British boxers ever. I'm like, the fuck are you talking about, man? <laughs> I'm sorry, not David Hay, but Tony Bellew. <laughs> oh, yeah, 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 I know what you meant. Yeah. I was like, man, okay. 
you beat a guy with one leg the first time and the guy that was even more shot the second time. Like, that's – what are – this doesn't show how good you are. It's not – this would be like if we took Charlo's fight against Highland. Heyland? I keep fucking his name up. I'm actually not even sure how I'm supposed to say that I, anymore. I think it's Hayland or Highland. I've messed it up so many times that I don't know how I'm actually supposed to say it at this point. <laughs> like, I used to know it, and I kept trying to say it, and I kept getting it wrong. I was like, oh – Am I still getting it wrong? Or is <laughs> anyway, like that's like if we took that fight and made it seem like Charlotte was the destroyer of the middleweight division, which is what people did, but it's still wrong. Yeah, I, you know, I, I guess it's par for the course in this sport. I mean, whether it's a guy up and coming, or or in this case Tony Bellew, who's you know over the hill as well and and passed his best. Um, you know, the sports media and, and the networks and you know anybody that has a vested interest in their guy or a certain fighter loves to, you know, just roll out the propaganda carpet and, you know, Hey, you know, look at this, look at this, my guys, this, they're kind of doing that. Uh, Golden boy is kind of doing that with Ryan Garcia uh, and we'll kind of touch on him later, but you know, same shit, different day, you know, or different era. It happens all the time. Um, the, 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 the sports media either pisses all over a guy that's clearly good. Golovkin used to get that a lot. Uh, Kovalev got that a little bit. Um, and then, uh, you know, we get guys like, uh, you know, w- even guys like Mayweather and Andre Ward, who are very good, but clearly, uh, you know, not, not what the media, you know, tried to sell them as. Uh, but in the case of Bellew, guys, I, I'm, with, I'm with you both again. Um, I think if they were to put him in against Wilder or Joshua, it would just pretty much be a, a slaughter, a, you know, a slaughter. Um, I think it's really stupid. And in kind of disingenuous, for, you know, for anyone to say, oh, well, you know, he's he's England, one of England's or, or Britain's, you know, top all-time cruiserweights or heavyweights. Uh, Tony's not that good. He never was that good, even in his prime. Um, so, uh, but yeah, outside of that, I mean, I don't, I don't have any, too much more else to say about that fight. I really wasn't too invested in it, uh, just because I kind of knew what it was. It was just a, kind of a circus, you know, uh, kind of a cash out for both guys. Um, did either of you have anything else to add to, to either, about either one of those fighters? I just hope David he retires and that he is yeah. financially able to retire. I don't want him to be in a position where he has to just keep fighting and taking fights for the sake of fights and getting beaten up. Because if you get stopped by Tony Bellow at heavyweight, then you're yeah. going to get stopped by pretty much anybody there. Yeah. And your condition is just going to get worse. It's not like you're going to go back to what you were. You were going to – this is the decline. You're not going to go up from this. You're going to keep going right. down. Right, right. Well, hey, somebody, I don't know whether it was a joke or not, but I saw on Twitter yesterday, guys, somebody said, how about David Price versus David Hay? And I just thought, I didn't actually laugh at it because I just thought it was kind of sad because neither guy mm-hmm. should, you know, be fighting anymore. Uh, you know, I, I, I see the well, humor in it, but it was just Price one of those can things. Still go. Hay can't. Yeah, Price but. Can't. I'm sorry. Yeah, but, Hay can't. Price can. Yeah, but even in that fight, Victor, like, I, I would favor Price and you know, just because yeah, of you're supposed what to. I saw yesterday. Yeah. yeah, but, you know, I don't want to see either guy continue. I mean, both guys don't have much much to offer anymore, don't have anything really to offer anymore. But, uh, uh, all right, we'll just move on. Uh, that was all the, the, the meaningful action that went down last night. Um, so let's jump into the fight preview, guys. Um, and I'll go to you first, Michael. Um, the first fight we've got next week, uh, the big one is, Jorge Linares versus this uh, Vasil Lomachenko, and that's going to be a 12-rounder for Linares' WBA lightweight title. 
Um, Michael, why don't you go ahead and tell uh, everybody who you're picking in that one and why? Uh, I would pick uh, Lomachenko in that fight. I just think his his overall movement, his uh, his combinations, he's unorthodox. Um, he's a younger guy. Uh, I'm just an all-round big fan of him, to be honest with you. Okay. Victor? I don't see how you don't pick Lomachenko for this fight. I mean... Lomachenko, he's probably the most technically skilled fighter on the planet right now, so there's that. Linares is good, he's solid, but he always has that thing where he makes fights more difficult than they should be. Lomachenko (laughs) has every advantage except for hand speed, I think. I'm pretty sure Linares is a little bit faster, but Lomachenko is better accuracy with his hand speed. But Linares could give him problems. I'm expecting this to go to decision, actually. I... I don't – Lomachenko is going to completely steamroll him, but I don't see him losing many rounds. I think they're going to be competitive rounds, but Linares isn't taking this fight, man. Yeah, okay. Well, I, I'm, I'm with you on that one, Victor. I think it's going to be a, a unanimous decision for uh, Lomachenko, and I think he's going to – I don't know that he'll embarrass Linares the way he did against uh, Walters and uh, who the hell was it he just beat? I've already forgotten. Rigondeaux? <laughs> uh, it is yeah, Rigandell. I, I, I think it'll be a a boxing lesson again, you know, that we'll all kind of look at and go, wow, this is amazing. But uh, I think Linares is probably a little higher quality than, than those guys, at least at this, you know, this stage of all their careers. Um, and I agree with you too, Victor. I think he's pro- – meaning Lomachenko, Vasil Lomachenko is probably the most complete fighter in the sport right now. Um, I think Lenars may have a little bit more hand speed than, than Lomachenko, um, but that's going to be negated by Lomachenko's uh, lateral movement and probably his footwork, um, you know, those odd angles he comes in at. Uh, and, you know, like they always say, you can't kill what you can't catch. Um, so it's tough for me to, to see or to envision a scenario where, where Lomachenko finds himself in trouble or having to dig too deep. Um, I think there'll be small fits in there. You know, Lenars will give – Lomachenko a few things to think about or, or to, to consider, but I, I, I don't, I tend to think this is probably another showcase for Lomachenko um, to, to a slightly lesser degree than his, the past couple of fights have been. Um, but yeah, man, uh, I don't know. I, 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 I Lomachenko all the way. Um, it's interesting to note too. Actually, let's save that for the, for later in the show. Uh, did mm-hmm. you guys have anything to, to add to that one? Yeah, I have a question for both of you guys, actually. Uh So, Uh how would you, if you were to try to make a game plan to beat Lomachenko, or if you were trying to make the perfect fighter to beat Lomachenko, what would that be exactly? It's funny that you asked that, because I was going to ask you the same question. So, I'll I'll let you, Michael, I'll let you take that first, because I've actually got to put some thought into that one. I don't I don't know. I suppose you're just gonna have to have somebody who's either got a, the exact same sort of style, where the styles are gonna clash and it's gonna end up in a sparring fight, but it goes twelve rounds, or somebody just with an unbelievable chin who just comes in and overpowers him. Um, I don't know. Maybe you just have, you have to look at that first fight, look at the Salido fight, and just have somebody on that same sort of mold, I guess, who's just gonna go in there, just rough them up, like a Jeff Horn sort of style, how Jeff Horn beat uh, Manny Pacquiao. Yeah, I, I guess 
that's the only thing I could really think of. Yeah, yeah that's I, pretty much what I was thinking. Yeah, <laughs> I'm, I, I'm actually. Yeah, I'm I'm right with you guys again. Yeah, um, uh, to be kind of technical about it, I think I don't think a brawler like Salido is is the answer. A pure brawler, I think it would have to be more of a boxer puncher who who knows how to fight on the inside, um, but that is very aggressive and has really heavy hands. I think if I think without giving Lomachenko reason, you know, reason to stop it and think, hey, this guy can hurt me, or hey, I don't want to get hit like that again. Uh, I think it's that's a really tall order. I mean, that's that's a huge fucking puzzle to solve, man. Um, I'm trying to think off the top of my head who out there might do that in any division. You know, all things being equal, or if all guys were the same size. <sighs> I. I honestly, I don't know. I I, I think Lomachenko is going to be one of those guys that that well, kind of like Golovkin, where you you just kind of got to sit on the sideline and and wait for him to get older and to slow down just a little bit, you know, to wait for those reflexes to dull just a bit. Because I mean, you know, God, I don't know. I mean, he's really impressive. See, my whole thing is, I would try to like deconstruct it. I would like. Think about the best ways to take away his weapons and then also exploit what he already wants to do. So I'm thinking about making a really rough physical fight on the inside. So And also dirty. You have to be very dirty against a guy. When you're up against somebody that's like a sure. much better boxer than you, you have to turn it into something that's not a boxing match, which is kind <laughs> of what Andre Ward does in a sense. It's actually right. interesting to watch. It's like Sean Porter, too. You want to just... Again, make it not a boxing match. Make it a really rough physical fight. Elbow him, headbutt him, just forearm him, but get away with it. So, so basically mug him. So yeah, would you would you say like uh, an Andre Ward type fighter with a bunch of you know with heavy hands would be yeah. someone that could dis- disrupt his game? Exactly. You mm-hmm. want to disrupt it, and then also you want to be able his pivots. Actually, although they're good. They're kind of predictable, and it's actually in the same angle. Like you don't realize because you're under fire. Like you can see it from the outside, but you're not gonna be able to see it in the ring. But I think if you like stay calm and engage, like all right, that was like three or four taps in a row. He's gonna pivot to his left side right now or right side, depending on like how he's tapping you exactly. And Mm -hmm. you should, in theory, you're gonna miss wide a lot of the times doing this. He's probably gonna catch on and punish you. But you could in theory crack him as he's trying to pivot which would make him run right into your punch and we haven't really seen the physicality of Lomachenko we don't know how well he can take these shots anyway because he's not really getting bombs so there's a chance there that that is your best option okay now let let me ask you Victor if would 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 it be wise to go to the body of someone like Lomachenko or Lomachenko specifically to slow him down over the course of a fight or is that risky? Yeah, I mean, it's risky in a sense that you're definitely going to get punished for it. He's going to sure. be able to counter that pretty hard. But it's something you're going to have to take. And, ooh, the plus minus there. You're going to be like getting outlanded one to three properly if you even do land <laughs> to the body. So, But you could argue that the same thing would happen if you try to go to the hit. Mm, no, because different... you're going to have to try it. You're going to need right. to be a very devastating body puncher. You're going to, to like do it from the inside. If you can like go on the inside, hold him, and then get him like to be stationary and then punch him from there, then you're safe. But if you just try to do it from the outside, just like jab to the body from the outside, then no, I would not recommend that. Okay. Actually, yeah, you know, I to want... as much time on the outside as possible, you always need to be like chest to chest with his ass. Yeah. I, I th- well, I think somebody has to get on the inside 
kind of do some holding or grabbing and then throw some mm-hmm. like Mike Tyson style elbows into the mix, you know, into, into your arsenal. Because I just, I, it's like you said, to kind of fight dirty because I mean, the guy's so gifted and so talented and so athletic. It's, I, I, I don't understand, you know, how anybody's going to going to catch this guy. You know what I mean? I guess mm-hmm. maybe throw, anticipate where he's going and then, you know, aim your punch for, for that, that spot in the air or on the ring or, you know, on the ring. But I mean, let me ask you again, Victor, if, because you're, you, you're an actual boxer or were, if you were stepping into the ring with Lomachenko on Saturday, what's the one thing from the opening bell that you would make sure you do and do it, you know, bountifully? Well, I've never actually been anything close to that level. So it's kind of hard to imagine. I pretty much just like sparred and shit, but okay. It would be a lot about dictating, like gaining respect. You need to make him cautious to not do anything. So I would just like go in and just try to mug his ass. Like, all right, (laughs) I'm here. You're not going to get away with that shit at all. If you have, if you're up against a guy that has like a really multifaceted skill set and they're good at like most things in boxing, you, Mm -hmm. the reason why I say you want to make it like not a boxing match is because he's good at everything in boxing, but he's limited to that. So anytime you try to like be clean with him and just, straight up just box him you're already at a disadvantage because that is what he's better than you at you need to play to your advantages or like limit his advantages or play play against his disadvantages and this is pretty much all we have right now just yeah dirty. it's so i would just go but, in hold elbow his ass like early head bottom in the eye try to call yeah him. yeah yeah I, it's it's a tough one man i i mean i think he's gonna handle lenaris okay but I, I don't see Lenaris being the fighter that, that has those tools in his arsenal, I guess. Um, it's, it's, it'll be interesting to see because I think Lomachenko will win this one fairly convincingly. And it'll be interesting to see where he goes next. Um, before we move on to the next fight, guys, I, I, I did want to note again, because, and I've harped on it before, um, that this is a fight that Mikey Garcia could have had and should have had, uh, but because his business sense is fucking terrible. Um, despite him saying, you know, it's all about the, the, the biggest paydays, you know, the, the fights of the mo- most no- notoriety, uh, you know, he's, he's moving on to, or he's moved on to, to other pastors. Um, definitely a fight, uh, I, I would have liked to have seen, but this is the next best thing, I guess. Um, so let's move on to the other fight of note that's happening next weekend. And I'll start with you, Mike. Uh, it's Saddam Ali versus Jamie Munguia. I think is how you pronounce it. That's a 12-rounder for all these WBO junior mate, uh, junior middleweight title, which he lifted off of um, uh, Miguel Cotto at the end of last year. Uh, who do you like in that one and why, Mike? Uh, I don't think you can look much further than uh, probably Saddam Ali with uh, Mungbia kind of coming in from Mexico, kind of been a little bit of an unknown. Uh, yeah. Obviously, he's, he's stepping in for the... Uh, Liam Smith, who had an allergic reaction, so he's a bit of a late replacement. And Golden Boy obviously decided to keep it in-house with both the fighters being under their promotional banner. Mm-hmm. Um, I see Saddam Ali probably probably winning. I think I think he probably in the later rounds. Um, it would have been good to see Saddam Ali face somebody like a Julian Williams, uh, maybe right. Austin Trout, Austin Trout, something like that, someone different. Mm-hmm. Um, because obviously Mungir was the guy that was supposed to fight with a Triple G, and then the, obviously Nevada wouldn't even give him a license to fight because he was so unknown yeah. and so yeah, so low down in the rankings. So that kind of gives you some kind of view of how good he is, really, I'd say. Yeah. 
well, I think at this point he's considered just kind of a fringe prospect. Um, and like you said, Michael, uh, he's he was a short he was on the short list for uh, can, uh, you know being a Canelo replacement for Golovkin. Um, and I'm glad that fight didn't uh, he actually didn't get approved. Um, there was no reason for that, and they would have ruined that kid's career because I think he's only 21 years old. But uh, I'm with you, man. I think I think that Ali, if he boxes on the outside, um, he and, and moves, I think that he's going to make Munguia look very, maybe not amateurish, but v- look very basic because he is, in all honesty, from what I've seen of Munguia on uh, YouTube and some other channels, he's very one-dimensional and. Uh, the guy keeps his hands low a lot. Um, he comes forward and doesn't know how to, you know, doesn't know how to fight any other way from what I've seen. Um, so yeah, I'm going with with Ali by uh, unanimous decision. How about you, Victor? No, you yeah, pretty much covered my sentiments of this one. I'm not picking Ali by unanimous decision, though. I'm thinking he's going to stop him. I mean, really? Ali has been in there. Yeah, Ali's been in there with some pretty solid fighters and. Munguia is basically a prospect at this stage still, so yeah, yeah. I think the skill gap there, the experience gap, is just too wide for him to deal with right now. I'm okay. glad he's fighting him and not Golovkin, though. Yeah, no, I mean, I mean, this is this is yeah. I I got to agree. I think it's it's much, a much better fight for Munguia, and it's also a shot at you know the limelight or a title uh, without that that risk to prematurely end your career, you know. Um, but I, I, I agree. I, I, I guess I can see a scenario where uh, Ali stops Munguia probably late, and, and that's probably not because I think Ali is a murderous puncher. We know he's not, but uh, just because of Munguia's lack of defense and lack of experience. Um, but with that said, uh, there's one other fight, guys, I did want to touch on before we move on to news and notes. Uh, and, Victor, you can you can run with this one uh, after I kind of go over the particulars. Uh, but we've got Ray Vargas versus Azat. Venetian in a 12 rounder for Vargas's WBC junior featherweight title. Um, I got to be honest, guys, I don't really give two shits about this fight. Um, I saw Ray, Ray Vargas fight live at uh, Superfly One, or I'm sorry, at, uh, at the Koto Kamagai fight back in August, and I wasn't overly impressed with him then, and I wasn't overly impressed with him uh, in his previous fight. Um, so, uh, what do you guys see happening in that one? Oh man, I'm not the guy to ask about this one at all. I am <laughs> not familiar with his style at all. I I don't have a whole lot of data for this one. I I can't say anything about this one, man. I oh, do dude. not follow hey, hey. that well. You came into the show unprepared. I'm shocked. <laughs> just, yeah, man. Uh, really bad know, on my no. part, but like. Yeah, you know, I I don't I don't blame you, and Michael, I I don't blame you either if if you haven't done too much homework on either of these guys because, like I said, Vargas is not all that impressive, and uh, I I did a little bit of uh, homework on Hovenesian this morning. Uh, let's just let's just say he's not somebody that we're going to be talking about, you know, as we age, and and, we, and we're not going to be talking to our grandkids about this guy. So uh, how do you see this going, Michael? Do you even care? Uh, <laughs> I think Ray Vargas will win it pretty easily. Uh, he's yeah. already 31 and 0, 22 knockouts. He's an absolute giant for that weight. I don't know how long yeah. he's going to manage to keep making that weight. He's 27, I believe. He's got like a 70 inch reach, so he's huge Jesus. for that division. Yeah, uh, and I, I think. 
Yeah, go ahead. Sorry. It's good to say he's just he's just huge for that division. I see him having to move up soon. I think he's getting to that age where he's probably going to struggle to make weight. Um, yeah. And then as for Hovenetian, he's only had 16 fights. He's 14 and two, 11 knockouts. Um, so obviously you can see he's obviously lacking a bit on the experience side. Uh, he's got a 66 inch reach, so he's obviously going to be. I imagine Vargas is just going to keep him behind his jab. I see it being this, going the same way as uh, Vargas against uh, Oscar Negrate when they fought in December. They're just taking the okay. rounds, just just be calm and just keep him on his jab the whole time. Yeah, that's that's pretty much how I see it going. Uh, and it's funny when you were talking, it, I was reminded of a. I remembered a, a a time Victor and I actually talked about Ray Vargas. I think the last fight uh, or his previous fight when we review, re- did the fight review on the show uh, and Victor said the same thing. He's really big for the division and that's probably why he's successful there because despite his 70% or 71% KO ratio, um, his resume is, eh, it's, you know, it's debatable. Uh, you, you could make a case for some guys on it. Most you can't. Um, I think once he moves up to, uh, and I think he'll have to at some point in the near future, um, I think he'll start to struggle a bit or you'll kind of really see what he, what he is and isn't as a fighter. Um, but with that guys, uh, I want to move on to news and notes because there's plenty there to cover. Uh, but right before we do that, I do want to remind all of our listeners uh, that they can call in if they want to talk to any of us. Uh, that number is 657-383-0391. You can also tweet questions and comments at me uh, at at split D boxing at Michael at M Shep 10 or Victor at at 757Vic, uh, and we'll read those tweets on the air, and then we will answer your questions or respond to your comments. Uh, now, with that, gentlemen, let's move on to news and notes, uh, because there's plenty to go over there. Uh, the first thing I wanted to talk about, um, and this may consume a good deal of our remaining time, um, is the Canelo hair test ordeal, um, the suspension, and everything kind of surrounding that whole snafu there, I guess. Um, we didn't get to talk about it uh, on the show uh, last time we were on the air just because we were short on time and we kind of forgot. Um, I don't know how that happened. But, uh, Michael, why don't we start with you? Why don't you give us your thoughts on uh, the, the, the hair test that came back and allegedly say, or supposedly says that Canelo did ingest tainted meat and wasn't intending to cheat? To me, it's just kind of odd that, we weren't told about it until the results came in. Uh, mm-hmm. Were they trying to hide it just in case something did come out? Or it's just the same old sort of thing that everyone's been saying since it first came around. That if you if you were if you hadn't done anything, you'd be shouting from the trees, you know, trying to tell everybody like this wasn't me. I don't sure. know how this happened. Canelo the whole time has been kind of quiet. Um, don't know whether that's down to him, whether that's down to Golden Boy telling him not to say anything. No one's ever really come out and said. Um, mm-hmm. It's just all a bit suspect. Now, what about you, Victor? These hair tests have a very high chance of failure anyway. It was actually always kind of weird to me that people were like, oh, we need to do a hair sample right now. It doesn't actually work that well for this type of thing. It works for, like, narcotic drugs. It doesn't work pretty well for <laughs> PEDs and shit. It's a reason why Vada doesn't use these tests in the first place because they have a very high margin of error. You could argue that, like, because Canelo did the blood sample and a urine test and they felt computerol in it, that it does give you, like, a baseline for it. And you could also argue that the blood and urine tests also have a chance of failure. But 
not as high as hair samples. Like, it's not nearly that close. These numbers fluctuate a whole lot, too. It's just not something that really proves anything, and it's strange the way they handled it as well. The more telling thing about this to me isn't really, like, the hair sample shit, but the fact that um, he's not enrolled in VADA right now. That is, that's pretty mm-hmm. big. Yeah. How do, how do you feel about that, Michael? Do you think he should be enrolled and being tested while he's serving a suspension? Yeah, most definitely. Um, you know, people are always obviously going to think that he's guilty, even though it's come out. And, you know, the, everyone's always has that saying, you know, there's no smoke without fire. So I think he should be tested, like, just more than, more than sure. regularly now. He, he, should, he should want to be. He should want to clear himself. Yeah. Yeah, no, that's – yeah, that's – that's a good segue into to my thoughts on all of this. Um, uh, you mentioned what I had said before or previously. Uh, you know, when you're when you when you're accused of something, especially something bad that hurts your reputation or your livelihood or your family or you know anything like that, you, you're screaming from the mountaintop and you're showing. You know, if you have any evidence to show that you know these people are wrong or the accusations are false. You're throwing, you're getting it out there, whether you put it online, whether you're screaming it on TV or on the internet, you know, or you're showing people in person, hey, look, you know, I've got this. This is why it's not like you says it, you know, you say it is. But uh, I find it really, really odd and convenient, I guess, that we were told about this, this supposed, you know, uh, exonerating hair test uh, so late in the game, you know, long after the, the initial positive tests were reported and after the suspension and, you know, I, I just, I, I don't, I'm a skeptic by nature. So like I question everything, right? My, my, my default position on anything, uh, on nearly everything, you know, anything significant is doubt. Uh, you know, before some, I can say some, yeah, I think he's guilty. I have to see evidence that, that corroborates the claims. You know what I mean? And it's gotta be peer reviewed evidence. Um, in this case, my biggest problems are with this are the timing uh, of the information or the release of the information, um, and then the, the the sources. I mean, as a skeptic, you always have to go back to your sources. How reputable is? I want to know how reputable this, the company that tested Canelo's hair is. How uh, how reliable these hair tests are at this point in time? I know they're getting better and better all the time. The science always gets better. Um, and then we have, you know, the Nevada athletic state margin of failure. Okay. As far as the reliability so not, of the test, it's a 60% oh. margin of failure that actually decreases depending on right. the hair itself. So Okay, so that those aren't great odds. They're terrible <laughs> so odds. I, yeah, so I have a problem with that, and I have a problem with both the N, uh the Nevada Nevada Athletic State Commission and the WBC being the ones that saying, "Hey, we've got this test here." The test has never been made public. Show me the results. I want to see what, you know, I want to research this company that did the test. I want to know everything about, you know, as much as I can about everything because it just seems really suspicious. And for the record, I still think Canelo's a cheating motherfucker. I don't, I think this is all, I think this reeks of corruption. I think it reeks of protection. I, I, I just has a really bad look and a really bad smell to it. I could be, I could be wrong. And it's just, it's just my personal conjecture. I don't have any, you know, I don't have anything to, to defi- definitively say, yeah, he, you know, this test is bullshit. You know, everybody reporting on it is bullshit. It's just, it's just, I mean, I've seen this before in the sport and other sports, 
you know the 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 you know when when these networks and when these when these promotional entities and sponsors and everybody else has a, a, a you know a vested interest in a fighter or or any any anyone else or anything else within the sport or any sport for that matter you know there's there's always that 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 need to protect kind of like parents do you see it a lot more in movies than you do in real life but where parents protect you know a kid when they've done something terrible you know or they try to take the blame themselves or they try to misdirect this whole thing feels like that it feels like a big misdirection um and i know with this hair test basically uh you know uh, the three of us are late to the game because we didn't do a show last week and we forgot to discuss this the week before that when we were live but uh you know basically this shuts down the the entire thing and we just everybody's just expected to move on um i'm i'm going to continue to be suspicious of canelo and i'm going to continue to believe that he had intent to cheat because i do not believe for a second that a mexican who trains and lives in mexico at least part time that employs two uh, Mexican butchers on his team, you know, or ex-butchers, whatever they are, had no idea or were dumb enough to say, well, let's just, yeah, let's just go order a steak or let's have this meat brought in from whatever city that, you know, it was brought in from down there. It's like, what the, what the fuck are you guys thinking? What are you doing? I mean, you guys all knew, all three of you guys are as Mexican as it gets. You know what I mean? You live down there, you train down there, you, you worked in the meat industry, and you, there's a history of, of a problem down there with all that shit. You know, why didn't you have something else shipped in? Why didn't you eat fish instead? It's it, None of it adds up to me. It all just seems like bullshit. Um, you know, so that's the end of my rant on that. Uh, do you guys have anything else to add to that? Or do you guys, you do you guys still think get punished for negligence? Yes, and and you should. That's all I had to say, man. I mean, like, it's, okay. it's just dumb to me that we're supposed to just believe that one of two things happened. Either Canelo's cheating or Canelo's fucking retarded. Or rather, Canelo and everyone around Canelo is retarded. And yes, I don't think that they're that stupid. I don't think anybody's really that stupid to, like, have this be your well-being, your longevity. This is how you make your earning. This is how you earn your money. And then you're like, hey, let's go ahead and do something that could ruin everything. Who does that? Oh, no, right. Well, no, the only, the only people that are I, I'm going to 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 allow or allow to use the, you know, the the the, the ignorance excuse would be people like us. If we uh, provided we weren't boxing fans and didn't know, you know, anything about clenbuterol and we went to Mexico mm-hmm. and had some street tacos and then our employer says, "Oh, I'm drug testing." And for whatever reason that came up, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And then it would be like, "Well, what the hell? I don't even know what that is." You know what I mean? What yeah. what what's what's clenbuterol? Why this is a problem down there? That kind of thing. But like you said, Victor, these guys are professional. One of them is a professional athlete, a Mexican professional athlete, and the other two guys are Mexicans that worked or work in the meat industry. You know, so I don't buy it. <laughs> you know what this is like to me? If you go out what's of the that? country, then you like drink tap water or some shit like that, and then you get sick. Yeah, don't. Doesn't everyone like tell you not to do that in the first place? This is exactly yeah. the same thing to me. Good, good point. I've been to Tijuana once, and it was a horrible experience. But my friends took me down there uh, when I was turning 22. Um, and the one thing everybody told me all my life, even growing up, is don't drink the water in Mexico. Don't drink the water in Mexico. So all I had was like stuff out of a can or a bottle. You know what I mean? That's mm-hmm. all it was. And but 
And that's and that that makes that illustrates the point perfectly. Even as a foreigner, as as a young man who didn't know half of the shit he knows today, I still went down and heeded that advice. I knew I knew enough about this problem to avoid ingesting that and getting sick or bringing something home. You know, I so yeah, I don't know, man. Let Michael, you've been really quiet through this through this entire rant. Oh, do you disagree or agree with anything we're saying or uh, I- I agree. I just think it's kind of played out, isn't it? It's been talking, yeah, yeah. going over the same, same thing for like yeah. weeks and weeks. Canelo, Triple G, and the test yeah. all the time. Yeah. No, I I agree. It's kind of beating a dead horse, but I wanted to make sure we covered it uh, just because we had forgotten the last time we were on the air. Uh, so with that, uh, we'll just move on. Uh, the next bit of news uh, I want to go over with you guys. Um, and, Victor, I know you have a bone to pick with me, so I'll let you start with this one. Uh, is Keith Thurman vacating his WBC title, ah, um, yeah. and he did so saying that he did he's doing so because he wants to allow other fighters to have the opportunity to fight for his title, which I thought was odd because he held on to his WBA title. So, Victor, uh, I'll let you take the reins on this one. Well, the thing is, the WBA title right now, the the guy that has the regular title is Matisse, who got that. It was a vacant title because Lamont Peterson beat David Evanesian, who had that title. And then mm-hmm. Lamont Peterson vacated to fight Spence. And now Pacquiao is fighting Matisse. So there's actually nobody there for the WBA anyway, unless Thurman were to fight Jesse Vargas or something like that, who would be like ranked third, which would be kind of, kind mm-hmm. of strange anyway. So I'm not mad at him holding on to the WBA because like, he's not holding anything up in the WBA. That has to sort itself out first, first place. For the WBC, you have Sean Porter, who arguably already beat Keith Thurman, and Danny Garcia, who held the belt before. And that was like a split decision, which I think Thurman won, but still it was a split decision. And I think Thurman mm-hmm. lost to Porter. So it makes sense to me that those two guys are fighting for – the title since, I mean, Thurman's injured, so he can't really be involved anyway. Why should everyone else have to be hold up, held up because he's injured? Just have him as the interim right now. Just have him, like, as soon as he comes back, he's healthy, and he takes another fight to, like, get his little tune-up out of the way. Just have him fight the winner of that. There's no reason, like, to hold up that entire situation just because of him to me. Yeah. I just don't see how this is, like, a bad thing. And... <sighs> It's weird to me that a lot of people like to rag on Sean Porter in particular a whole lot. I hear that a whole lot. Like, Porter's sloppy. He's not elite. He's not that good. He has two losses. Neither one of them have been dominating performances. And they're against arguably the best fighters in the division at the time. <coughs> Pardon me. Mm-hmm. So I don't think you can use that as evidence that Porter isn't that good or anything like that. All right, Michael? Uh, I think it should be a good fight. I think Danny Garcia might just take it. I think he's just probably the younger fighter at the time. Sean Potter looked good last time out, even though he had a bit of a layoff. Um, just mm-hmm. be interesting to see where the winner goes. With the supposedly the winner supposed to be fighting maybe Amir Khan. So if Danny Garcia wins, obviously the the rematch against Amir Khan would be uh, interesting for everybody. Uh, hopefully the end of the year, start of next year maybe. Khan gets stopped again if that happens. I think we're yeah, I think versus so. uh, Garcia anyway, so we're probably not going to see that. And 
I don't know if Khan can deal with Porter at all. I'd be very surprised if he could. But I'm not excited about that one. I'm only excited for Amir Khan versus Kelbrook. That's the only fight I actually want to see with him in it. Yeah, I think everybody wants to see that one a little bit, at least a little bit. Um, I'm 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 with you, Victor. I think Porter probably beats Garcia uh, if and when that fight happens. Um, and just to clarify, I I don't have a problem with him surrendering his WBC, you know, or vacating the WBC title um, because I agree with you. I you know I, I don't want anyone to hold up the, any division. Um, I want to see fights get made, you know, uh, big fights get made. Um, my comments when when that when I first when the news first broke uh, were kind of satirical. Um, I just thought it was funny because I didn't have all the information at the time when I tweeted uh, that he was holding on to one title but letting another go. Um, and I thought it was just one of those scenarios where I thought, well, these guys don't give a shit about any other fighter. You know, they're in it for the for themselves and the money. You know what I mean? So, um, you know, uh, yeah, the WBA is not too big of a deal. There aren't are, there aren't a ton of people you know circling him over there. But um, you know, if, if if surrendering the title makes makes for these other fights or get these other fights out of the way. You know, then it's a good thing. Um, but uh, my question to you, Victor, is: is you said Thurman come? You know, he heals up, comes back, takes his his one tune-up, and then you know fights the winner of that fight or whatever the case may be. Um, but with Thurman's inactivity, whether he's injured or not, the guy fights so infrequently. Every fight is a tune-up fight. So, do you think that he only takes one fight when he returns, and then takes on the winner of Garcia Porter, or do you think he? he, you know, kind of shits around for two years or a year or two and, th- and then decides to do something about it. I mean, I'm pretty sure he's going to take the tune-up and then fight one of them. I don't see why okay. he wouldn't do that. Or he's, yeah, that's definitely what he's going to have to do. Or he's going to try to defend his WBA. But yeah. either way, you're going to look at tune-up and then fight either the, the WBA Mando or the WBC technical champion. Yeah, yeah. All right. Well, then uh, let's move on to the next bit of news and notes. Uh, this one broke actually when we were off the air last week, but I wanted to make sure we got we got to chime in with our opinions on it. Uh, the IBF actually ordered uh, Gennady Golovkin to fight uh, Daria Vinchenko uh, by early August. Um, I wanted to talk to you guys and get your get your thoughts on uh, how you think this impacts a, a possible September fight with Canelo. Uh, does it delay the rematch, and uh, does Canelo actually? want to get in the ring with Golovkin after a year out. Uh, I guess we can start with you, Michael. I can see um, Triple G paying him some step-aside money just to allow him to fight Canelo. Um, mm-hmm. Triple G doesn't seem to be one of those boxers that likes to actually relinquish too many belts. Um, right. He seems to like to want to keep them all. Obviously, he wants to try and get the last one from uh, Billy Joe Saunders. So I could see maybe paying him some step-aside money so he can defend the belt against Canelo in September and then maybe face him straight after that. All right. As a cultural thing, a Ukrainian probably won't take the step aside money. I think they'd rather fight. And even if they didn't going to lose, they'd rather just have to fight. You know how like that whole like honor of the samurai thing is for like the Japanese, how they are always like betrayed like that in the movies and shit. I think mm-hmm. that's the thing for the current Eastern Europeans. Obviously, mm. with the difference, like it's not samurai honor, obviously, but like it's the same mindset. Right. So I don't see him taking the step aside money there. So I think we're going to end up seeing that fight. And Golovkin has already said that he thinks there's only like a ten percent chance of the Canelo rematch happening. He said that in like some recent interview. 
And mm-hmm. he said, like, 10% is being generous. So I'm thinking, okay, you are kind of thinking that was bullshit. That's a good sign yeah, to me he, since I am too. Did yeah. you see the one last night? He, he, he went back on that last night. Are you fucking serious? God oh, in damn the, it. In the, in the post, me? yeah. Aw, uh, you had one job. Just leave Canelo alone. <laughs> uh, that, the, with that kind of money on the line, that's never going to happen. <laughs> Jesus Christ, man! He is Canelo is ruining everything. I just want to see well, love can fight. Yeah, like like we were just talking about with Thurman. Like I just said, uh, you know, I, I think and I I think I speak for all three of us, and I'm sure for all of our listeners, nobody wants to see uh, a division held up. You know what I mean by by one guy doing one thing, or you know, by one belt being stuck with somebody who can't fight, or you know, for any reason. Um, I think that the Canelo fight probably happens in, in September. Uh, Mike's, Mike's right. I, in the post fight, Golovkin said, Oh, you know, I'm ready for anybody, but can I'm ready for Canelo in September, you know, or something like that. Uh, I'm paraphrasing, but, mm-hmm. uh, you know, given the business that, that Golovkin has done with golden boy and the way golden boy, you know, controls, basically controls or has control of Golovkin's career to, to a large degree at this point, uh, you know, they've got him tied up and whatnot. Uh, I think it definitely happens. I think the only way it doesn't is if, uh, you know, uh, uh, Alvarez says, you know what, I'm getting in with this killer and I've been out of here. Maybe we should push this back to May or, and then he takes, you know, uh, uh, some kind of tune-up fight or something. Um, but I'm skeptical of even that. I think, I think they'll, they'll do the fight um, because I, they know that Golovkin's getting old and, and, you know, there's always that risk that somebody else picks them off and then that payday is gone. So I think it'll happen, it'll definitely happen in September. Please, Daria Vinchenko, do not take step aside money. I beg you. We should just, like, well, get in contact with Daria Vinchenko, just, like, email him, like, every day in his management team, like, don't take the step aside money. Please don't uh, give this offer well, to well, you. Don't take it. Well, let me ask you both, and Michael, you can answer first. Do you think that Lou DiBello was pushing so hard to have Golovkin stripped so that Darry Vinchenko didn't have to actually fight Golovkin for that title and could just fight like, you know, a nondescript opponent or somebody, you know, that that's, a, you know, not as big of a threat in a, in a vacant title match? Um, I think if he wanted to keep the May the 5th date, like they just did, um, it was going to be too short notice to fight Deryachenko. I think he was just too sure. too lively, too much of a threat. And then obviously, money talks. So trying to do it later in the year and not fight Canelo when he'd probably get a couple of million for fighting Deryachenko, and he's going to get ten, twelve, fifteen million or whatever he gets for fighting Canelo. Just business sense and find someone as lively as Deryachenko. Like we said, he's actually is like a, an actual threat. It just doesn't make business sense as much as we don't like it. If you were in those his shoes, right. you'd probably do the same thing. Just risk right. and reward. Yeah, but do do you think Michael that that Lou Debella was actually wanted the Golovkin fight uh, on short notice, or do you think that he just wanted to have Golovkin stripped so that his guy could win that title against somebody that isn't as big of a threat? Probably just stripped and just put uh, Dariochenko's name in in the mix because he, yeah. he wasn't really yeah. talking about that much until until he started talking about him like, hey, he'll step in, he'll fight. So I think just to get his right. name out there. You know he's right. he's quite a he's quite a clever businessman. I think he knows that that was a good thing to do, and now everyone's talking about him the whole time. So it's it's kind of worked. Right. Well, where are you at with all this, Victor? 
I th- uh, I know Derry Vinchenko wants the fight. Even though he lost to Golovkin twice in the amateurs, I'm pretty sure Derry Vinchenko actually wants that fight. Lou DiBella probably thought that the easiest thing to do would be to have Golovkin stripped, but I don't think that he actually thought the IBF was going to strip Golovkin in that time frame anyway. I don't think he actually sure. wanted the short notice fight against Golovkin for Derry Vinchenko just because in short notice, Golovkin's been training Darian Vinchenko hasn't. Granted, it's a different type of style, but still Golovkin. And the way Golovkin seems to train for fights anyway seems to be more so I'm going to try to make myself be the best I can be rather than like game planning specifically for that opponent he has to face. So I I don't like the idea of fighting Golovkin on short notice. I don't think right. Bella thought that was a good idea. I, I think <laughs> even Darian Vinchenko probably didn't think it was a good idea. He's like, fuck it, I'll fight anyway because I'm a boxer. I'm supposed to fight, right? Uh, yeah, I, that was. I wanted to ask you guys because that kind of dawned on me last night. I thought, I wonder if if they really actually wanted the Golovkin fight, or if, like Michael said, Lou just wanted to get his fighter's name out there, you know, to kind of get him in the mix and 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 you know work his way into contention for that for that title at some point down the line. Uh, but uh, that said, uh, we can move on to the next bit of news and notes. Um, another thing I wanted to cover here was uh, uh, it's actually more recent news. Uh, Mikey Garcia, who is currently with uh, the PBC slash Al Heyman, uh, has supposedly or reportedly uh, will be signing with Zufa Boxing Promotions, which is Dana White's uh, uh, attempt to enter or throw his hat into the boxing ring as a boxing promoter. Um, what do you guys, uh, Victor, we'll start with you. What do you uh, think this means for other fighters, and what does it mean for Mikey, more importantly? For Mikey Garcia, it's a bad move. I don't see how this actually benefits him. Uh, Dana White, the money that he puts in for the UFC fighters, which I think is a good indication for what is going to happen in boxing, isn't as much as what boxers get at all. So I imagine that also means that Mikey Garcia is going to be getting less money. As far as just big fights and shit like that, I think this kind of hurts it. I I don't like this move for Mikey Garcia. As far as other boxers or other boxing promotional companies, it should mean that there's more competition, but I don't think Dana White is going to be good competition. No. I don't see a lot of boxers jumping ship to him, so he's going to have to be He's going to be forced to make like deals with other promotional <laughs> companies anyway to try to get fights, right? But if they see him as an outsider trying to move in on their territory like they should see him, they're going to just, like stonewall that shit and nothing's going to happen. So I think we're going to get to a point where just nothing happens and Mikey's career is like even more stagnant than it is right now. Because let's be real, it kind of is at that point already where like nothing's really happening here. You get some kind of pointless-ish fights, but nothing really exciting you know we have like talks of exciting fights coming up like oh sure. he was going to fight uh robbie's jr then you know nothing happened the biggest fight he's had is adrian broner even that wasn't like a super big fight so i don't really like this i also don't think that the uh like the mma format or the ufc format is really going to work that well in boxing because it's highly dependent on the autonomy of the company itself, you know? So, like, in the UFC, you always have, like, a set, you're going to fight this guy, and, like, the fighters don't seem to have much of a choice about it. They can make suggestions and be like, well, I don't want to do this. Like, Dana White can kind of, like, not be a complete dick and, like, force you to fight them anyway. But boxing, it's not going to work out that way. There's, like, too many boxing politics around, so I just don't see him being very successful. 
it's an entirely different game there. Yeah. Michael? Uh, I kind of looked at it a little bit differently to Victor. Like, I'm, I'm thinking it might be good for Mikey. I'm hoping that since he's looking to be their first big-name signing, that he's going to be their flagship. He's going to be the, the kind of the guy for the do for boxing. So I'm thinking he might get a good deal because he's the big guy, the first big one to go there. Um, mm-hmm. And I'm hoping that it's just going to be good for boxing because we've got another another agency coming in that hopefully because they have to make a name for themselves, they have to get out there, get some good reputation. I'm hoping that they sign a few good guys and they actually put on a few good cards because, you know, they're new, so they're going to have to make a big splash. Right. All right. But, well, that's what I'm uh-huh. hoping. Yeah, so I, I, I don't know. I'm... Yeah, I think I think we're all hoping that uh, you know anytime somebody new enters the game. But uh, uh, when I first learned of Dana White wanting to get into boxing, I thought, well, and I think Victor and I talked about it on the air. It was we both kind of had the attitude, well, if if he does the right things, then you know more power to him. We hope he does well. Um, but I know recently he said that uh, he wouldn't work with certain promoters, um, and that uh, if he, I mean, if he signs Mikey Garcia. He's in direct, you know, he's going to piss off Al Heyman because I guess uh, the word on the street is that Garcia's making this move without the advice of Al Heyman or without the blessing of Al Heyman. So, um, and I know that White said he wasn't going to work with certain promoters. That is, that's the, that's the what? Like some mob, that sounds like some mafia shit, like without the blessing of Al Heyman, like he's the godfather. <laughs> Well, look, well, look, well, he kind of run, he kind of runs his organization yeah. like that, doesn't he? Yeah, that's hilarious I mean, to me. With yeah, the, that's, with the, that's amazing. Yeah, but with 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 what with him possibly signing Garcia or stealing Garcia away from Heyman and the PBC, like that's just a, another promoter that mm-hmm. uh, that isn't isn't going to want to work with Dana White. And I think he said he wasn't going to work with Golden Boy or Top Rank or maybe both. I don't remember. I know it was at least one of those entities. So I mean. You know, you already got one strike against you. Now you're going to piss off the one guy who you were probably in league with to begin with. So, you know, you're taking you're taking a member of his crew away without his blessing. I mean, that's a problem. You know what I mean? These guys go to war, you know, find, you know, so, you know, and yeah, I'm making mob references on purpose because it's, it's applicable in many aspects of the sport. But, uh, uh, you know, uh, you know. I don't know, man. I, I, it was by accident. It would have been funny if it was by accident. You could have, you should have just like said it was by accident. <laughs> yeah, by shit. I know there's no no accidents. But as far as like uh, what this does for Mikey, I I'm kind of I, I differ from both of you guys. I think that it'll be more of the same for Mike Garcia if he makes actually makes this move official. Um, for a guy that says he wants to you know to make as most money as he can, he's only interested in the biggest fights against the biggest names. He makes a lot of, you know, late-in-the-game adjustments and chooses fighters that are, you know, that we know he's going to beat, or that don't do much for furthering his goals that, you know, he likes to, to spout out so often. So, yeah, I don't know. I'm not, I'm not too high on it. I'm, I'm with, with you, Michael, a bit there where I hope that, I hope that the things I'm seeing and hearing, you know, are just rumors or, or maybe we don't have all the information and, you know, it, you know, Mikey, Mikey does some good things under Dana White, but. I, I don't see Dana White's move into boxing being a good thing. I think it further fractures the sport. Um, and, you know, if if he's not working with top rank, he's not going to get his guys on ESPN. If he's not working with Golden Boy, he's not going to get his guys on HBO. And if he pisses off Al Heyman, uh, he's not going to get his guys on Showtime or any of the other 
you know, the shitty networks that the, the PBC still occasionally appears on. So, you know, it's I kind of look at it as, what are you doing? You know what I mean? You're burning bridges before you even cross them. So, mm-hmm. yeah, I don't, I don't know. I don't know. I, I, I hope we're all wrong. I hope it turns out to be a good thing for the sport and for Mikey, but I guess we have to wait and see. Uh, you now, know, one other bit. Well, uh, go ahead. I just thought about something. This doesn't actually just affect our sport. It also affects MMA because you have to look at, like, all right, so the UFC currently has this Reebok deal, right? So the sponsorship there, basically you have to use that, and you get it's, – it's a pretty shitty deal for the fighters, basically. Now, if that doesn't carry over onto boxing and Mikey Garcia can have whatever sponsorships he wants, wouldn't that make the UFC fighters kind of upset because they're taking – like, they're using, uh, getting a lot less money because of that. It's like, okay, so this guy can you do that when we can't, but we've been with you for years, and he just showed up, like, last week. I think that would provide pretty, like, a big schism between the two, and more UFC guys would probably, like, jump ship to the other comp- companies like they're already doing. Like, they'd be more in Bellator. I think this is actually, like, hurting or potentially hurting Dana White a whole lot. Yeah, it, you could be onto something with that. I think Dana White's stay in boxing, if it actually comes to fruition, uh, will be short-lived, kind of the way uh, Mike Tyson's was. He was kind mm-hmm. of there, and then he just kind of, you know, s- small cards here and there. You know, he had the name, he had the notoriety, and then, but he didn't, you know, he didn't have what he needed to, to stick around. So, you know, he was eventually bought, quickly bought out, and he just disappeared. Um, and that, that, I mean, that happens. That's a common tale, and. I don't know what it's like in MMA, but uh, common tale in boxing, you know, a lot of a lot of people come in, you know, 50 cent among them, you know, I, I love boxing, I can do this. And then it turns out, hey, it's a lot more complicated than, than you thought, you know what I mean? Or a lot more vicious than you thought, you know, it, I, you know, I don't know. I don't know, man. <laughs> I just think that moves like this are kind of going to fuck things up for them, not just in boxing, but also in MMA. I think this may hurt a whole lot. I mean, we'll see in the next, like, two years, but this will probably go very poorly, and I'm not really liking the moves that Dana White is making lately. He's doing a whole lot of things to piss off their fighters. Yeah, I, yeah, I don't know what kind of impact it'll have on, on MMA or the UFC, because just because I don't I don't have much interest in that in that uh, organization or, or sport type of combat, I guess. Uh, but I, I see your point. I could see where, where it might affect that negatively on both ends. Um, but yeah, I don't know, man. Um, I want to move it on guys. Uh, I don't want to, I don't want to beat a dead horse too long. Um, the other bit of news that I wanted to make sure we covered today, uh, was, uh, and you touched on it briefly, or you mentioned it. Uh, Mikey Garcia was supposed to fight Robert Easter, uh, in his last fight or the fight before that, I'm not so sure I remember which one. Uh, but now mm-hmm. it's rumored again that uh, that fight is going to be made for late July this year. Uh, Michael, who do you think? Uh, what do you think of the fight? And uh, who do you think wins it? I think uh, I think it'll be a good fight. I think Mikey Garcia should win it. Um, I was originally thinking it was going to be closer, but Robert Easter didn't look too good in his last two last two fights. Yeah. Um, uh, I think Mikey, like you said, I said he. Uh, He's the world champion. I think he'll go in there, and I think I think he'd actually probably take him out. Uh, probably mm-hmm. mid mid rounds. I just think he's too he's too powerful, technique wise. He's he's excellent. Um, Easter, 
last few times. I think he maybe has to change weight or something like that. I don't know whether it's just he's boiling himself down, not having a good weight cut. As his last fight, he looked. He only really just won, to be honest with you. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, no, that's that's true. Uh, Victor, and I know you're a huge uh, Robert Easter fan, so why don't you tell us what you think? <laughs> Funny. Ah, he's doing your sucks, man. He's just tall, and because Mikey yeah. Garcia is also dealing with like guys at bigger weight classes anyway, I don't expect his height to be too much of a problem for him. So it's probably a nightmare matchup for Easter Jr. Honestly, I don't see this going well for him at all. Garcia would, might would fuck you, around and stop him. Yeah, would you would you call this a showcase for Mikey? <laughs> I wouldn't call it a showcase because Easter Jr. is still a champion and okay. still considered like, I guess like what top five in that division really be like top three, yeah. right? Yeah, I think so, so. Yeah, I wouldn't call it a showcase, but it might end up. Well, it's not going to look like one, but yeah, it's not a showcase. It's just not really a good fight. It's not something I get excited for. It's something that could have happened earlier. It's one of those things where delaying this fight actually made me care about it less. Right. All right. Well, that actually is it, unless you guys have anything else to add to the Garcia Easter Jr. rumor or anything else. Uh, we can end the show early today. Uh, do you guys got anything else? No, it's actually not too much coming up in boxing. Uh, up soon, yeah. I don't think. I think we covered pretty much everything. See, we did yeah, the we'll, Canelo show and everything. So. Yeah, we'll, we'll have a more interesting fight preview when we come back next Sunday. Uh, that's for sure. Um, but yeah. I guess we will. As long as Lomachenko, as long as Lomachenko yeah, doesn't yeah. finish Lenars in two rounds. <laughs> yeah, well, yeah, I was gonna say yeah, but I think uh, there will be a whole lot to talk about if that does happen. So yeah, yeah. Well, there's more stuff coming down the pipe as, as, as we roll into late spring and summer, but uh, it's pretty light right now. Um, and uh, I guess that'll do it. Michael, did you have anything else to add? No. The only thing would have been a. Uh... Lenares winner, Lenares or Lomachenko against Mikey? Do we think that'll happen? But we can talk about oh. it next week, I guess. Oh no, we'll yeah, it's whatever you guys want. I I'll chime in right now, real quick. I think that uh, I think Lomachenko wins that fight as well, but uh, um, uh, I think I think he's just too fast and and too talented. Uh, Mikey's really very very good, but I don't think he's quite on the level of Lomachenko. The Lomachenko versus Mikey Garcia matchup is actually more one-sided to me than Lomachenko versus Jorge Linares. Because as really? good as Mikey Garcia is, he's actually pretty textbook. Like, he does things right, but it's textbook Robotic. Right. You know, like some... I wouldn't even call it robotic, but, like, it's just, all right, this is what you're supposed to do in this situation. But like, this is, like, the standard boxing shit. It's, like, very high level of that, but is still standard. So if you're against a guy that's like not only unorthodox, but it's also like dedicated a lot of his boxing to just countering the standard thing, like move behaving in the right way. If you come at him in the orthodox way, you're going to get punished for that very heavily. Lenares actually sure. isn't very standard. He has like a lot of hand speed you have to deal with. He has like these awkward angles at times. It's stuff that Mike Garcia doesn't pose the same set of problems that Linares does. The only <laughs> problem that Mikey Garcia really poses to Lomachenko is his, that Linares doesn't is the power, which is actually the easiest thing to take away. And the way Lomachenko boxes, if you just have like a puncher's chance, you don't have a chance. So I <laughs> think it's going to be 
assuming that fight happens, which it, it may end up happening because I don't see a whole lot of options for Mikey Garcia, honestly. Sure. We are probably going to see that, and we're going to see Lomachenko just put in a clinic on Mikey Garcia. Mikey Garcia is like borderline tailor-made for Lomachenko, honestly, like high-level tailor-made, you know? Yeah. No, I tend to, I tend to agree with your assessment. Uh, you all right? <laughs> no, nah, like you, you echoed badly there when I echoed. Oh, I oh wow. Ooh. Okay, sorry. Oh, Michael, did, cool. you wanna ch- did you want to chime in on that, or did you want to uh, hold your thoughts until that fight actually happens? I'll hold my thoughts because it's my two favorite boxes, so I don't really want to pick. <laughs> no, I, I've been in that situation several times. Yeah, I, I, when uh, when Hagler fought Leonard, I was torn. Uh, that drove me nuts. It still drives me nuts to this day. Uh, but with that, uh, it's a, like we said, it's a short week or a light week in boxing. So we'll go ahead and end the show, guys. Um, if you like what you heard today, uh, you can like us on Facebook at facebook.com forward slash boxing. Uh, you can also follow me on Twitter at, at SplitDBoxing. You can follow Michael Shepard at, at MShep10 or Victor Atkinson at, at 757Vic. Uh, you can also visit the SplitDBoxing.com website. And if you are so inclined to do so, you can support the Greater Split D Boxing Network on Patreon.com forward slash SplitDBoxing. Uh, so until next week, this is your host, Scott Jarvis, for his co host, Victor Atkinson and Michael Shepard, saying, Thanks for listening. Who's gonna bust your chops now? <laughs>